Good evening, ghouls and ghoulettes, and welcome to Killer Horror Critic, the podcast worth dying for. Hosted by the Killer Horror Critic himself, this is the show where guests from all over the horror spectrum join to talk about some of their favorite horror films. So get snugged under the covers, grab a cuddly puppy, and prepare for tonight's blood-curdling episode of Killer Horror Critic. Good evening, horror fans. Welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Chris. And this is a podcast where my wife and I critique and argue over horror films like a couple of drunks at the bar. So maybe you never quite learn anything. Maybe we never enlighten you. <laughs> but hopefully you have a good time listening. So before we get into what we're talking about tonight, I'm just going to say really quick, I am sorry that this episode's a little bit late this week. I uh, happened to get some sun poisoning this past weekend. Uh, and kind of looked like the hunchback from Notre Dame for a bit because apparently, fun fact, uh, sun poisoning can make your skin swell up. So, so my face was all puffed up. I couldn't see out of one of my eyes, and it was pretty bad. Moral of the story is, uh, wear sunscreen and don't be a dumb shit like I was. It doesn't matter how cloudy it is. It can be dusk if you are going out and the sun is still up. Put on the sunscreen. All right. So anyway. Speaking of summary stuff like that, so you all voted on this month's topic, and so this month's topic is sharks, sharks, sharks. Fuck yeah. And, <laughs> and to kick that off, we are going to be starting with the 1999 summer blockbuster Deep Blue Sea. Uh, this is a film that was directed by Rennie Harlan, who also did A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, which I think is incredible. I love that movie. Die Hard 2. He also did a film called Devil's Pass I wanted to mention, just because it's a smaller little horror film about kind of exploring that whole... Oh, I'm going to forget the name. Kind of exploring the whole Dimitrov's Pass. I'm probably not saying that right, but this <laughs> this real-life occurrence of uh, people that disappeared in the mountains. And anyway, it's kind of a fun little story awesome. uh, sort of revolving around that, but really great horror film. But anyway, so we did those. Uh, it was written by Duncan Kennedy, as well as Donna and Wayne Powers, who also wrote the Denise Richards film Valentine. Uh, which is a fun little slasher. And so for those of you that have never seen Deep Blue Sea, you know, this is basically a film about a bunch of genetic researchers trying to find a cure for Alzheimer's who happen to, in order to f- develop this cure, uh, make a few Mako sharks incredibly smart. And the <laughs> sharks escape their lab and are hunting the scientists through the lab and it's to say any more, I guess, is maybe a spoiler. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how spoilery the movie really is, but um, but it's a great movie. Can't wait to talk about it. But before that, we have our usual spoiler free content. So as far as releases go this week, there's quite a few I want to mention to you. So I'll just run through these really fast. Uh, it's a great weekend for horror fans. So first up is a film called Werewolves Within. This is one I think I mentioned last week when it was in theaters. It is now on VOD. This is a film directed by Josh Rubin, who also did the movie Scare Me. And it's based on the Ubisoft game. And basically, it's about a bunch of people that get trapped in a mountain resort. And it turns out one of them is a werewolf. And they're all, or or may or may not be a werewolf. And they're trying to basically figure out who it is and who's killing them. And it just kind of becomes basically like Clue with werewolves. So <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so it's a really fun movie. Highly recommend it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. 
another one that's now on Netflix is part one or is Fear Street Part One. And so this is based off of the R.L. Stein books. You all know R.L. Stein also wrote the Goosebumps series. But this first part essentially follows uh, these kids in a small town named Shadyside who find themselves being stalked by supernatural killers. And I, I won't get further into it than that, but really fun slasher. Yeah. I think it's set in like 1994 and it's got really great 90s vibe to it. Yeah. Uh, and for those who enjoy references, uh, it's got all kinds of them. I mean, the opening to the film is very much like a scream homage, right? So uh, really enjoyed it. Lots of neon and just great kills. I mean, there's one kill in particular in this movie that just had both Chris Oof. and I like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> so good. I can't wait for part two. Yeah, part two looks great. It's going to be set at a camp. That'll be releasing next week. But So definitely check out Fear Street. It's amazing. Next up is a film called The Forever Purge. This is the, I think, fifth film in the Purge series. This one I have not seen yet, but it essentially follows what looks like basically the Purge ends and then a bunch of people decide, well, we're not done with the Purge. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> and so they go after some people near the border anyway. I've heard mixed things. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think it's probably going to be okay it's it's it looks very relevant to yeah things that are happening now as these films always are they kind of hit right in the gut of what the fuck is wrong with this country so <laughs> exactly i can't wait to see it yeah so that's out uh and then lastly is a film called till death which is on vod and this one stars megan fox and it's basically uh it's kind of like stephen king's gerald's game but with a home invasion twist so basically it sees megan fox as this a uh, married woman who's very dissatisfied with her marriage. She's abused by her partner. And basically, he takes her to a secluded cabin. Or, and after an incident, finds herself handcuffed to his dead body just as people break into her house to kill her. And Holy so, shit! <laughs> uh, so she's basically trying to deal with them while also dealing with this body that's handcuffed to her wrist. Uh, but this is a really good one. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought Megan Fox was great. It's awesome seeing her in more horror movies again. Uh, and yeah, it's another one I highly recommend. So really, I don't, I don't think you, you know, again, haven't seen The Forever Purge, but I don't think you can go wrong with any one of those four films. Yeah, no, this is an amazing week. Yeah, and there's more than that, too. I'm just not running through everything because we don't have time for that. But, <laughs> uh, but no, it's a great weekend for horror fans, so you should definitely be busy this weekend with movies if you want to catch up on some things. Something else we like to do before we get into spoilers is every week on Twitter, we'll put up a poll on our Twitter at Killer Critics, just kind of getting your thoughts and feelings on the film and what you think of it. So between love it, it's fine, don't like it, and never seen it, where do you think the audience falls on Deep Blue Sea? It's a shark movie, so love it, obviously. You can't not love a shark movie. Them's the rules. That is not true. We have watched lots of terrible shark movies. And, and I have loved every single one of them. You have. I'm pretty sure there's lots of people. Come on, Shark Lake. Remember Shark Lake with Dolph Lundgren that we talked about last year? Okay, yeah. You gonna call that movie a great movie? Okay, that didn't have enough sharks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not every sh just because it has a shark in it, Chris, doesn't mean it's amazing. Okay, um, fair enough. Just most still, of the time. Still, this one's good. This one is good. So, yes, you're correct. 54% say they love it. 32% uh, said it's fine. 3% don't like it. And 11% have never seen it. That seems about right. That's that's where I would fall. That's where yeah. I would expect this, yeah. Yeah. For the 11% who haven't seen it, it is Shark Week, so you should watch it. It's Shark Week. It's Shark Month. Oh, this is our, like, second annual Shark Month. Yes, it is our second annual Shark Month. I'm very happy to be talking about sharks and this film. So we always like to get your comments as well. So just a few of you, these are all from Twitter, at Amish underscore Assassin 8. So that's A-M-I-S-H underscore Assassin and then number 8. 
says, second best shark movie ever made. Don't even try to at me on this as this is the truth. (laughs) I like your confidence. I'm curious what your number one is. I'm assuming Jaws. It's the one that everyone would pick as the number one. I mean, Jaws Jaws. Jaws is fine, but I like other shark movies. You are. Oh, my God. I'm a monster. What do you want from me? You know, I agree with you. This is a really fantastic, fun shark movie. I don't know if I'd necessarily put it in the second place one, but I have a hard time choosing shark movies. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think I would probably fall there, too, with it. Jaws is number one for me, definitely. Uh, and then Deep Blue Sea, I mean, it's if it's not second, it's third. You know, it's definitely right up there. I can't really think of too many that I would place over Deep Blue Sea because this movie is such a good time. Uh, so anyway, thank you, at Amish underscore assassinate for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next is at Tom Cornwell one. So that's Tom C O R N W E L L. And then the number one, and they say probably has the best looking sharks in a shark movie. Definitely a top three shark film. Yeah. I think I would agree with you on that. Like I'm trying to compare like the Makos that are in this to some of our other sharks. And I will say I did a little research into this film and the the team that made these sharks really tried to do their research to see how they moved in the water and all of that. And I think that really shows in this movie is how much attention to detail, with the exception of one thing. You cannot pet a shark. Its sm- skin is not smooth. Okay, I think they meant how they look, Chris, not, not how accurately they swim, but... <laughs> But they uh, look really good, too. Yes, they do. So, no, I, I I can, you know, I'm running through my head, and I would say that I could probably agree with that. I mean, if, you know, if we're not talking the, the digital effects, which look terrible, yeah. <laughs> if you take that out of it and you just look at the, the sharks that they built, they do look really great, you know. I, you can't really say the Jaws shark. I mean, the Jaws shark looks amazing, but mm-hmm. it is a big clunky bastard, you know. <laughs> like, uh, it's not exactly accurate to, uh, you know, how sharks look. But uh, the Makos look really good, you know. There, there are lots of moments where they do look pretty realistic. Yeah. And, uh, so I do definitely give the team credit for that. I don't think anybody watches the scene where he's petting the shark. He's like, you can't pet a shark. <laughs> <laughs> That's the um, only thing I think of. Yeah, I know. Um but anyway, so, and, and yeah, like we said, top three shark film easily. So thank you at Tom Cornwall one for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next is at horror vital. So that's horror V I T A L. And they say, I was seven when this came out. For some reason, I find this movie the most memorable from my childhood. It has stuck with me. That's that blank person. Cause I don't want to sp- hint at spoilers. You know, that blank person scene still gets me every time. If, if any of you have seen the movie, you probably know what they're referring to. Uh, also, my son was also seven when I showed this to him. I like the fact that it's a family tradition. You watch this movie at seven and it gets handed down the line. Um, I totally get this. This movie has so many like good iconic scenes and like dialogue that really kind of sticks with you. I totally get why this would be a memorable film that just would you know, stay with you for a lifetime. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, this is this is from an age of you know, to me, what I consider, like, the best period for summer blockbusters and horror, you know? I mean, this is when we had, like, Deep Blue Sea and another aquatic film that I like, Deep Rising, you know, The mm-hmm. Mummy. Like, this is a time where we were just having a lot of fun with these movies, you know? Yeah. I'm not one of those people who's like, movies don't have fun anymore, but you do... Th- there's a bit more cynicism <laughs> in <Yes>. film now, right? <laughs> and, and the 90s were kind of like this beautiful time where there was just very 
little of that in the big studio horror films, right? Mm-hmm. Like they they were j- a lot of them were just like Deep Blue Sea, just over the top, fun, big, you know. Yeah. So and it also holds a special place for me. I, I was a bit older than seven when I saw this. I oh gosh, I don't remember how old I was. I, old enough to go see it in the theater with my dad. So I don't quite remember. <laughs> but no, yeah, it, it's a great movie. I love that. Uh, this is from a friend of mine, Jacob. I love that Jacob's passing this down to you know his son. And I asked him, and he said his son really enjoyed it too. Uh, and yes, that particular scene that you referenced, Jacob, one of the most memorable moments. I one of the most memorable kills, I think. In horror movies, like especially if we're looking at shark films, oh yeah, uh, I mean it's it's easily up there as like a top two, you know, mm-hmm. maybe something else from Jaws, but it's up there. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, thank you at Horror Vital for the comment, appreciate it. Uh, next up is at I am Row Nose, so I A M R O K N O W S, and they say. The first time I saw the blank person's death scene was with a packed theater, and it was awesome. This movie is very entertaining. This movie is highly entertaining. I would love to have gotten to see this with an audience, especially for that scene, because I can just imagine the entire theater just erupting in that moment. Um, And I feel like that's the fun thing about movies like Deep Blue Sea is those audience moments. That's why we go to the theater so we can experience it with other people, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you know, that's part of the reason I really remember this film is that uh, for me, it's honestly one of my favorite experiences in a theater because, you know, I remember my dad and I got to the theater kind of late. And, you know, we saw this at a theater that wasn't really often crowded, you know. But, I mean, we got when you got this movie and you've got a, a big-budget shark film and Samuel L. Jackson and LL Cool J, like, of course you're going to have people come out to see this. You know, this is a really big film, I think, for that reason. I remember just getting to the theater and it was packed and we had to go find, like, a spot way in the back, you know, and, like, it was super crowded. And just, yeah, the audience was going wild the whole way through this movie, especially during, yes, this scene. I mean, the audience completely lost it. <laughs> There's another one towards the end where a certain person shows up to save the day that those of you who have seen it probably know what I'm referencing. And when that happened, the audience just, like, erupted. Like, it was – it's just a really fun movie to watch with an audience uh, because people were so into it. They were so into these characters and the carnage. And this film is very entertaining in the sense that anything goes, you know, like there's really, there's really no sense ever that anyone in this film is safe. (laughs) Uh, Like, so anything goes, all the shark attacks are great. uh, Lots of awesome kills, you know, really great sets, big budget, like everything about this movie, it just, they, they put all the effort into it. Yeah. Uh, like there, no expense was spared <laughs> with Deep Blue Sea that I'm aware of. I mean, I'm sure there were studio things that I'm forgetting at the moment, but because yeah. <laughs> there always are. But uh, anyway, thank you at I am Ronos for the comment. Appreciate it. And then lastly is a comment from at Narcotic Casser One. So that's Narcotic C A S S E R and the number one. And they say I didn't think much of it during my young and stupid days. But now, as a passionate lover of schlock, this is Rennie Harlan at the peak of his don't-give-a-fuck powers. (laughs) Yeah, I would definitely agree with you on that. Like, look, this is a movie that, at the core of it, is just a fun shark movie. Like, you know, the science doesn't make a whole bunch of sense, but we're not there for the science. We're there for carnage and sharks and over-the-topness, and... That's what's so much fun about it. Yeah, you know, I look, we've all been there, narcotic ass. You know, I... I have plenty of films that I look back on that I love now that I hated then where I'm just like, 
man, you were just a pretentious little <laughs> film fuck, weren't you? Like, you know, I mean, we all have that. I think, I think when you're growing up, you know, you, you find a certain type of movie that you like. And I think a lot of us fall into this trap of, like, say, say you fall in love with horror slashers, right? Mm-hmm. And a slasher comes out and it does something different. And at, as a kid, you might be like, well, I wanted that to be like Friday the 13th Part 4, and it wasn't, so fuck that movie. You know, like, <laughs> like we, we all kind of think like that, I think, as kids, just kind of discovering film. Yeah. And, and we have our certain tastes, and we kind of want everything to fit that, and when it doesn't, we're disappointed. You know, like, I remember uh, being a big werewolf fan growing up, and any time I encountered a werewolf film that you know, either didn't have a good transformation or didn't have much werewolf. I was like, that movie was bad because there's no where there's not a lot of werewolf in this movie. It's bad now, <laughs> you know, but I watch those films now and I'm like, no, this is actually a great movie. You know, it just yeah. doesn't have the amount of werewolf carnage I was used to. So, so no, I totally get that. And yes, you know, this is Rennie Harlan at the peak of his don't give a fuck days where, you know, he, he did, he had acquired a lot of power by this point. I mean, especially after you do something like Die Hard 2 and stuff like that. But, but, you know, he, he did come from a somewhat schlocky background, I guess, you know, doing a Nightmare on Elm Street 4, which is super over-the-top and fun, and, and you know, that he pours all of that into Deep Blue Sea. Like, the thing I love about Deep Blue Sea is that, on paper, this film could have very easily been just another sci-fi-channeled, knockoff, low-budget piece of, you know, chum, <laughs> right? And, and... Because of the studio backing, because of Rennie Harlan, because of the cast that they acquired, they made this. They they basically turned a B film into like a big old A film, right? Yeah. And and you know we we saw what happened to Deep Blue Sea once it didn't have that anymore <laughs> with Deep Blue Sea Two. You know, Deep Blue Sea Two is what the original Deep Blue Sea could have been <laughs> if it wasn't for Rennie Harlan and the backing of the studio. So <laughs> I like the most recent one, though. Deep Blue Sea 3 is fun. Yeah. Yes. No, it is fun. I'm talking about 2, though. You <laughs> haven't seen 2. 2 is two is something else. <laughs> but anyway, so thank you, Narcotic Caster 1, for the comment. Appreciate it. And then one last thing we like to do before we get into spoilers is talk about the tagline versus the movie and what we think of it overall. So the tagline for Deep Blue Sea was bigger, smarter, faster, meaner. <laughs> so what do you think of the tagline for deep blue sea and what do you think of the movie overall you know what they use all the proper adjectives to describe the sharks in this movie so i like it it's fine it works plus i feel like it kind of ties into like the schlocky nature of the the movie that we've been talking about already and for me i have a lot of fun with this like some of the science behind it i kind of question but you know what you never do in a shark movie Question the science because no, no, no. You know what you never do in a horror movie is question the science. Some horror films might have no, good no, science. no, 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 no. We're not, we're not here to watch these things and be like, that's not accurate. You know, I saw a post. Not to interrupt you, but I saw a post <laughs> from uh, Michael Kennedy, the writer of Freaky, the other day, mm-hmm. mentioning how he read. I, I think he said that he had read a review where the critic said something about how body hopping wasn't possible, and he was like. No yeah, sh- no shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's a movie. I don't know if you're aware of the concept of fiction. <laughs> and that's the thing. I get that. But shark movies are usually really egregious about just throwing any kind of... Who cares? I mean... Th- <laughs> I care. I love the sharks. No, of course they're egregious <laughs> because sharks don't actually attack people for the most part. You nope. know, it's like a, a shark attack is as rare as getting struck by lightning, you know? So, like, 
Now, all of these things are egregious, of course. I mean, for God's sakes, I, look, if you're watching a movie qu- constantly questioning whether or not something can happen, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> like, you're just supposed to sit back and enjoy these things. You know, I'm not I'm not watching Arnold Schwarzenegger crash through a pane of glass and fall 20 stories into the trash can and then walk out without a bruise and saying, there is no way that that could happen. What is a it crock of he's, shit. He's Arnold fucking Schwarzenegger. I don't care. He'd still get cut by the glass. You know, but that's the point is like, you're not supposed to sit there and be like, no, 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 hold on a minute, movie. I don't think that's very accurate of you. <laughs> Sometimes that's fun, though. Only for nerds, Chris. <laughs> Only for nerds like And you. that's what I am. <laughs> um, no, but for real, uh, yeah, no, it's, like I said, I, I mean, yeah, the tagline's fine. I don't care. But <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, you know, I seeing this in the theater was a blast. The crowd went nuts. I loved it. Uh, and, and I, I think something else I like about this film is, to me, it's kind of like a slasher film with sharks. You know, that that was sort of that's sort of one of the things that it did differently. I mean, it does a lot of things differently in the shark exploitation genre, but that was something that it did a little bit different at the time. Is you know, when you watch the Jaws films, or or at least the first Jaws, and and others that were coming around around the time, you know, they. They all follow more of like a kind of creature feature pattern. Yeah. Um, where it's not like a group of people trapped in one spot. They're killing off one by one. Jaws 2 is kind of that. So Jaws 2 is sort of a slasher in a sense. But, mm-hmm. you know, obviously some of you listen to this and go, oh, it's not a slasher, Matt. Yeah, I know. It's not a slasher. But but <laughs> if you're going to relate it to anything, it is kind of like a shark movie version of a slasher. Because you do have these characters being hunted through a contained space and being taken out one by one by sharks, you know? So yeah, I think it's pretty accurate. So, I mean, all it's really missing is the sex and drugs, so... <laughs> That's true. There's no sex or drugs in this movie. Yep, just hints at nudity, but... Yep. So, yeah, no, so, great film. Highly recommend checking it out. We are about to get into spoiler territory now, so if you haven't seen it, please go do that. We are going to talk about everything we can with this. Unfortunately, it is not streaming, but it is worth the, what, like, $3 to rent it or whatever. Oh, if you've definitely. never seen it, so please definitely do that. Uh, otherwise, about to spoil everything, so here we go. So, uh, as usual, who do you want to talk about with this film? You know, we have quite an eclectic cast with Deep Blue Sea. We've got Thomas Jane playing the shark wrangler Carter, uh, Saffron Burroughs playing Dr. Susan, Samuel L. Jackson playing the the guy with the money, the rich suit, Russell, Michael Rappaport playing Tom, Stellan Skarsgård playing Jim, LL Cool J is the preacher. I, I, I could go on. I know I'm forgetting people, but who do you want to talk about in Deep Blue Sea? So I want to talk about our main character, kind of Dr. Susan, who's kind of at the heart of this whole film. And a big reason why I want to talk about her is she's so close to being a fantastic villain. Like, and she's just a little bit shy of that. But Um, she's not supposed to be a villain. Yeah, but she is. (laughs) But she's not. (laughs) But she is. But she's not. She tortured the sharks. She's a villain. But she's not a villain. Okay, go on, go on, and then I'm going to interrupt you. (laughs) Okay, so look, you know, usually you kind of view this movie as like a shark slasher film. I kind of view it as a shark revenge film, because that's what's happening in a lot of this. These sharks got experimented on, and they got made smarter, and now they want their vengeance, and they want their freedom. And Dr. Susan is at the heart of it, and I like her as a villain because she is so narrow-minded in her focus, so emotionally closed off and cold-hearted that, like, 
we've seen that type of character before in horror films. It's it's the brilliant scientist that doesn't care about anything except for their experiment, no matter the lives that are cost. So so you're mad that she's not a villain? It's, like, who, why? <laughs> well, I think it's that thing. Um, so I was kind of reading. Originally, she was supposed to survive at the end. There were more sympathetic moments. And then when they did the test screening, everybody fucking booed her surviving at the end. So okay. they killed her. That's and, fine. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, yeah, that's what I wanted. I did not want her to survive. I kind of wish that they would have let her just be a little but bit that, more that megalomaniac. But, that, but that's so boring. I mean, you've seen that so many fucking times. Like, see, I, no, I, I 100% disagree with you. And, and look, so here's the reason. Uh, you, <laughs> The reason I like the character of Susan, not not like her as mm-hmm. in like, I want to be her friend or anything. No, she'll fucking cut you. But the reason I like the character of Susan is because, look, you know, the the whole megalomaniac thing is fucking boring at this point. I mean, even by 1999, like, you've seen that so many times. I mean, for God's sakes, Bond had been doing that (laughs) since the 60s, right? Like, it's... It's a a tired trope, you know? Like, we get it. Okay, scientists experimenting on animals. Of course they're, you know... uh, Of course they're bad or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so... I actually, I actually like this whole angle of of a person who's doing it for a reason, who actually has, you know, you can call her heartless. I don't really think that's necessarily the case. I don't think that she's heartless. I think that she, you know, I think that she maybe determined is a better way to put it. I think that she is dead set on this idea of, you know, I don't want people to die, mm-hmm. but one human sacrifice is okay in the realm of saving millions of people to not go through alzheimer's like i can tell you firsthand watching a relative go through alzheimer's pretty terrible my my great grandmother uh went through that and i'm not gonna get into that here because that is some depressing shit but (laughs) (laughs) but but i can say that just having experienced that with one person you know i sort of i i get susan's angle of why she wants to achieve that you Mm -hmm. know i don't think it makes her heartless to want to to want to rid people of that i just think that you know, I, I like the, I like that there's a reason. I like that there's a reason to have empathy for her. And keep in mind, empathy is not the same thing as sympathy. Sympathy yep. sympathy means that you actually care about them. Empathy means you relate. Yes. I, I can relate to Susan. Mm-hmm. I don't care about her, but I relate to her reasoning. And, and I prefer that in a character who doesn't have to be a villain. Yeah. You know, because the, the sharks are the villains in this movie. We don't, we don't really need. The sharks are the victims. <laughs> They're a little bit of both, but they, <laughs> what my point is we don't need a human villain in the film. Mm-hmm. Susan doesn't do anything and particularly villainous as a human other than her experiments on the sharks. So, so yeah, I just, I don't know. I think that would have been boring to just make her another megalomaniac that we've seen a million times before. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to take away her reason for why she's doing it. I'm with you. I think that that's really strong. No, you just her... want to, you just want to make her like every other character no, that's ever I... existed. <laughs> I think for me, like, I wish that they would have just pushed her a little bit more towards that. Because we have these great moments where she's, like, emotionally manipulating people and threatening people. I mean, but what do you want to see? You want to see her, like, push Carter into the pool and be like, fuck you, Carter, <laughs> now I'm going to swim away. Like, <laughs> I, I guess... <laughs> okay. Escaping with my data. <laughs> okay, I absolutely want that with that exact laugh. Yes, you okay. nailed it. Moving on. Um... So <laughs> No, I, I'm quite happy that they did it the way they did. And and especially, too, because uh, one last thing, you know, because you you are I something else I love about it. I love that she's not made out 
to be just your standard villain because it does set the audience up for better satisfaction in the end when she does die. The reason why is when Susan jumps into the pool at the end and, you know, you, you've seen Carter so many times, like, do his little flip over the shark. Mm-hmm. And you've had Susan ask him, like, one day you'll have to teach me how to do that. So in the moment when she does that and the shark swims up to her and she kind of floats there for a second, a- as an audience or, you know, you can expect for a second, like, she might, like, th- if if this is, if she, if there's a moment where she's going to learn Carter's flip or or, uh, or do something, you know, impressive, this is going to be it, Right. And so there's a brief moment where you think she might do that here and she's going to survive. And so when the shark does eat her, you know, you as the audience get to be like, fuck yeah, <laughs> like, fuck you, Susan, you're not Carter. <laughs> I like the fact that you have that nice moment of like, maybe she'll do this. Whereas no, I'm no, like, it's not a nice fucking m- eat her, eat her, no, eat no, her. No, no, it's not a nice moment. I'm saying like, if I, if I, were, if I were reading this script, you know, mm-hmm. if I'm reading this or watching this for the first time, as an audience, I think that's a moment where you think she might like like going by the standards of how script sets stuff up, you know, they're, they're setting up this flip thing the whole time. Yeah. You can think to yourself because you don't quite know if she's going to live or not. You can think this might be the moment that she's going to do something heroic and, and whatever and redeem yeah. herself, but that doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, it's more satisfying that she doesn't get that redemption. Right. Agreed. So, so who I really want to talk about really quick is uh, Jim played by Stellan Skarsgård. And the reason is, is that I think Jim represents really well the careless a, a big theme in this film which is the carelessness of man in the face of in the face of nature mm-hmm. you know so when you look at Jim's character for example the first time we meet him uh you have Janice played by Jacqueline McKenzie you know taking Sam Jackson around and introducing everybody and then she's like and there's Dr. Whitlock the most brilliant man on the planet and Sam looks at him and he's like He's peeing into the wind. How brilliant can he be, you know? And, and, and to me, I think that's the definition sort of of humanity in this movie is that, you know, you have all these scientists at this place that are basically kind of full of themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And they they don't really acknowledge the, the, the wrong of what they're doing. And it's more and they're more kind of consumed by ego. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at Jim, it's like, OK, yeah, he's a brilliant dude. He's pissing in the wind. That's a pretty yep. fucking stupid thing to do, right? Yep. And and then you look at him like he's, you know, he's trying to smoke in the lab. And then he ultimately, you know, is so careless that he gets right down next to the shark and and gets his arm bitten off, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I'm going to get more into that in a minute. But, but the, this movie, for me, plays a lot in the concepts of man versus nature. You know, as many of these shark films do, they are a lot about that. But... But Deep Blue Sea, I think, kind of hits it heavier than a lot of other shark movies, like even more so than Jaws and that whole franchise. Like it really gets deep into this idea of, you know, man overstepping their bounds and Mm -hmm. and and nature kind of giving them a big old finger. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. Don't do that. Once they do. And so, you know, so Jim, to me, he's just that perfect representation of that, of just, you know, in in egotistical society, uh, mankind, which you know, continuously fucks with things without ever taking into consideration, you know, the the potential results of that. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I mean, like, even just look at the pandemic we just went through, you know, there's rumors of maybe this was created in a lab. And look, whether or not COVID was, we know that governments all over the world are fucking with diseases in labs, oh, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and, and making their own little microbes. Like, how stupid is that? How fucking <laughs> ignoramus is that, right? Like, how how ignorant do you have to be 
to be fucking with diseases and making them stronger. <laughs> it's really fucking stupid. You know, I mean, all it takes is one person to walk <laughs> out of that lab with that infection and we're all screwed, you know? So yeah. it's like, so, so, I mean, these movies like Deep Blue Sea, they, they always touch on that of just, mm-hmm. you know, we, we watch a film like Deep Blue Sea and we think, oh, it's fiction and, you know, this is just goofy fun. But, like, I guarantee you that if there aren't people out there making smart sharks, there's people out there doing something <laughs> fucky with nature. And <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Like, and on that, that theme, like, what do you think about them developing smart sharks? Well, I think that, I mean, first of all, you know, relating to that, it's a bad move on their part. Right? right? But, <laughs> I mean, especially, too, because, like, speaking of the carelessness, like, when you actually look at the way that the lab's designed... It's kind of amazing to me that none of them have already been eaten. Right? Because when you go up onto the dock, there's no fencing or anything. So all those sharks have to do is just, like, leap up a little bit and go chomp, you know, and just drag them <laughs> into the water. Like, and they're all just walking up to the edge like, oh, look at all of our sharks and our little pen, you know. It's like, right. motherfuckers, they will eat you. I've seen Jaws. Like, yeah, <laughs> sharks can jump. They Idiots. can jump. They can jump. We've seen Jaws jump onto the boat, you know. like yeah. it's like it, it's it's just it's mind-boggling that these g- so-called geniuses uh, are are so careless around these sharks, you know. But in terms of what I think is interesting about them making them smart, other than it's you know dumb idea of them, <laughs> I think it's interesting because once the sharks are made smarter, you know, you begin to notice that they actually begin to act a lot more like us. Yeah, which is what I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, because. Once the sharks are made smarter and more intelligent, it, it sort of feels like they they begin to have qualities that are closer to mankind in the sense that they're vengeful, mm-hmm. they're mean, <laughs> <laughs> they're they're cruel. You know, like I mean, you know, you've got the one shark that literally just grabs Jim and flings him into the window. I mean, that that is I, some vengeance I, shit right there. I love that petty ass bitch. Just be like, here's your fucking scientist assholes. No, but Petty is right. You know, yes. it's very petty. I mean, they didn't have to keep him alive for that. You oh. know, but they're, but they're, but they are. They're fucking with them in a lot uh-huh. of ways. You know, they're they're tormenting them, and and you know they they do other things like they they become more violent. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. sort of this commentary like because yeah, like we know like sharks aren't inherently just violent for the sake of it, no. right? You know, they they. They're, I mean, they're obviously eating killing machines, but like they. But so are but, we. But <laughs> you know, they they have they have those qualities. I mean, they're obviously man eaters, but they. But the thing is, you know, without the genetic enhancement, they're not inherently just violent for the sake of violence. Mm-hmm. But once they gain this intelligence, they are. Yes. You know, they're not going around eating these people for food. They're going around eating them out of anger. You yeah, know? I mean, they're leaving and, lots of bodies around. Right. So so it seems to just kind of be this small sort of commentary touching on like, you know, how how we by doing this, by by making these things intelligent, basically kind of talking about how, you know, with intelligence comes this sort of these grievances, these jealousies, mm-hmm. these frustrations, you know. Yeah. Um like once once you're not as dumb as my dog anymore, <laughs> you know, maybe you start to get mad about being in a cone for 3 weeks like he has cuz he had surgery, <laughs> right? And you know, maybe he takes it out in like more aggressive ways than a dog yeah. does. And so 
Yeah, that's what I really like about like the smart sharks in this. Because look, sh- sharks are already smart. They already have social hierarchies. You know, they they showcase a lot of intelligence. They can be trained sometimes faster than dogs and cats. So these animals are not stupid by any means. So I really like the fact that with the smart sharks, they kind of explored, you know, really what is added intelligence add to an animal. And it's this expanded worldview where it's, you're beyond just trying to survive and live and now you're willing to to risk your health or your safety to fucking get out of that goddamn cage get I, vengeance on your villains i think we look at it a little bit differently i don't, I don't know that it's about risking their health and safety i, I think it's more just like they said Two like, of them get exploded no it's more like they said like what 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 is a what is a giant mako with a brain the size of a v8 think about freedom yeah you know the deep blue sea as they say and so you know, and that and that's how humanity is like mm-hmm. that's, you know, all of a, every human being. I mean, when you when you look at what a lot of things come down to, you know, protests and all that kind of stuff or, or you know, different forms of violence, like sometimes a lot of that comes down to with humanity, like our own sense of freedom. Now, whether or not each of us individually is right about what we're fighting for in that moment, mm-hmm. it, in you know, it comes down to internally like us believing our freedoms under attack. Right. Yeah. And so, so yeah, so it's kind of, it's talking about, you know, that, that side of intelligence of how it, it basically, it cannot be contained. Mm-hmm. You know, you cannot, you cannot create, you, you cannot create an animal as smart <laughs> as that, as they do, you know, as, as Jim says at one point, it's not God's creation. It's their creation. Mm-hmm. You cannot do that and expect it to remain docile. That's, that's yeah. the whole thing. It becomes more like us, and as we've learned with humans, if you put a human in a cage, they will do everything possible to get out of it. You they know? will fuck you up. They will fuck you up. <laughs> so, yeah, so no, I just thought it was interesting that once they gain this intelligence, they become more like violent human beings than they do sharks. Mm-hmm. Well, so so all that being said, you know, and, and kind of, so kind of touching on this, like, what what are your thoughts on the character's treatment of the sharks? You know, like, the the way that they are treating them, the way that the film treats them, I know, since you're a big <laughs> shark fan, like, how do you view that in this? Fucking rude, man. So, it's the one thing that really boggles my mind with this film. Is like, look, these scientists need sharks because there's something about their brains and the biology of the sharks that we all know now is a lie. But anywho, that they're using to try to, like, figure out how to develop this drug to fight Alzheimer's, Right. But none of these scientists really know the animal that they're messing with. And that shows throughout the film. Like, you brought it up in what we were just talking about. They don't put any fencing on the the walkways. And so, for me with it, I'm really kind of astounded with these scientists, with everything they're doing, the complete and utter disregard for the animal that they're working with. Like, there's no respect for the sharks. There's no understanding of it. And so that's why, for me, I kind of view it more as a, like, torture revenge film. Like, you fucked with a creature you didn't even know anything about, and now they're going to fuck with you back. Yeah, I, uh, I, I... Similarly to that, I, you know, I think I think what I take away from this is that, you know, I mean, first of all, yeah, their their treatment of them is awful. You know, yeah. well, just... just, just disregarding the the ignorance of of the scientists because i mean i could talk about that forever and and we're going to talk more about that but (laughs) disregarding that you know they they also do things that are just like like the humans do things that are just kind of head scratching and cruel you know like like the fact that they feed them other sharks now they do mention that they that the makos will only eat other sharks Mm -hmm. 
which which I think is interesting too because going back to my whole you know a, a, a larger intelligence makes them more like humans. I, I like that inclusion because even though, you know, we sit there and we go, oh, God, it's like cannibalism. Like, that's fucked up, you know? Mm-hmm. I think maybe, and again, I don't I don't know how much uh, the writers are really putting into this thematically, but to me that sort of reads as like, you know, the fact that these sharks will only eat other sharks to me reminds me again of human beings. You know, human... human no, because not that human beings eat sharks. Yeah. But that's how sharks kill. Mm-hmm. They eat. Yeah. You know? So like, so it's that thing of, you know, humans cannot exist with other humans without killing. Mm-hmm. You know, like Chris and I can. You <laughs> listeners can with people you live with. But, but human beings in general can seem incapable of living on this planet together without killing each other. Yeah. You know? Uh, so, so to me, that sort of strikes to that of you give these sharks intelligence and now they... You know, now they have sort of this thing of like they they are violent towards other sharks. They're they, waging war on the other sharks. It's it's war. It's an establish of it's an establishment of dominance. You know, mm-hmm. like whatever whatever reasons you think human beings are the way they are towards each other, mm-hmm. I, I just feel like that's being applied to the sharks here. You know, like they they now they now feel if not threatened, like they have to make a claim to, you know, we are the dominant sharks, not yeah. the rest of you. The ocean belongs we, to us. That's exactly it. <laughs> Two things that people always want, freedom and and dominance. You <laughs> and know? to like, own everything. Yeah, I mean, in a weird way, yes. I mean, ev- if everybody could be Jeff Bezos and be a giant billionaire, you know, we'd all probably accept the billion dollars. Mm-hmm. We would do things differently with it, I hope, instead, of, instead of, you know, <laughs> shitting it out our ass and trying to go to space, but... But the point is, like, we, from the moment we're born to the moment we die, we're all fed this idea of success and money and, you know, you have to, you have to be in power and, like, all this kind of stuff. And so whether or not you believe that, that's what a lot of mankind is kind of driven to strive for, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so, yeah, so, no, I look at that happening with the sharks as just another example of how they kind of take on our qualities by us giving them intelligence. Yeah. And they're taking on the worst of us, you know, the, the worst yeah. of our qualities. Yeah. But one other thing I want to say about this is that, you know, speaking more to what you're saying with the mistreatment of them is that I also feel like you can look at the sharks as sort of being kind of like members of our society in the way that human beings take people that we either don't understand or can't deal with or whatever, and we cast them out to forget about them. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's interesting that the uh, that what they're trying to develop here is a cure for Alzheimer's because what do we do with Alzheimer's patients? We put them in homes, we put them out of sight, out of mind, mm-hmm. and, and our society tries to forget about them, right? Yeah. And so when you look at these sharks, I mean, what does Sam Jackson say when he shows up to the, when he shows up to the lab? He says... Looks like Alcatraz floats, you know? That's mm-hmm. what this place is. It's it's a prison. It's a mental asylum. It's whatever you want to call it, that kind of establishment for these sharks, mm-hmm. you know? They have this intelligence. They have the intelligence of human beings. They have an intelligence uh, where they understand concepts of freedom and free will and that kind of thing. And yet they're being contained here because they're... Because that's what we do with the outcasts of our society. We put them in prison. We put them in mental asylums. We experiment on them. We use them. Yeah. You know, and that's what's happening here with these sharks. They're they're sort of symbolic of that part of our society in that way. 
I mean, to your point, like, if we look at these sharks as basically having the same level as humans of intelligence and everything like that, we could very much look at them as how scientists have a tendency to other other people in our society. And Not just scientists. We all do. We all do. Um, but specifically, talking about the medical um, side of things, there's a long history of testing medical stuff on, you know, the out consider the outcast of society. There's a long history of testing. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Of, yeah. Mental patients, uh, Mental patients. inmates. We we have a long history of testing. Yeah, on them. the black and brown community has had that. Like, so that's a really good allegory with you know the treatment of these sharks. I just focus them focus on them as sharks. I forget about their people aspects. Well, <laughs> I'm just as bad. <laughs> we're we're different that way. You take things <laughs> at surface value, whereas I'm looking into the deep blue seas. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. So I mean, you know, it's just. I know some of you are listening sometimes and you're like, okay, man, you're a little too far with this, you know, like I'm not quite following. And, and I totally get that. I, I'm just making the point because sometimes in movies when, you know, when there's just one too many references or hints towards something to be coincidence, you know, mm-hmm. I start to read into it and they just, they consistently refer to this lab and the sharks as an other sort of thing, right? Yes. You know, like, referring to the lab as a prison. They're prisoners. They want their freedom. And then you have all these people that are referring to the sharks as monsters. You know, like uh, like Janice tells Sam Jackson, uh, just a world of gliding monsters beneath mm-hmm. our feet, you know? And that's how they view them. They're not, you know, and that's incorrect, especially when you start to look at the intelligence that you've given them because they're no longer that, you know? No. Even my dog I look at like a person, and he's a <laughs> fucking idiot, you know? So it's like, so so just the fact that they, they observe them that way and, and view them so clinically, mm-hmm. you know, it just, it really does start to speak to, like, just we as society, how we do that. And then one last thing I want to say here, because I love to ramble, and you all know <laughs> that, is um, I also feel like, you know, this film in a sense with looking at sharks that way and putting them in that category it's almost kind of like a commentary on what happened to sharks after the movie jaws you know because mm-hmm. when jaws came out you know jaws was kind of that movie that made everybody afraid of sharks you know yep. people didn't people didn't really think about it a lot before then and then that film in the book came out and people were like oh I, i'm fucking terrified of sharks now yep. and i mean i know i am and uh you know that that's kind of the viewpoint that's that society developed after that and so i also kind of look at deep blue sea as just sort of you know a, a reference to that and how since jaws sharks have become sort of this like outcast monster that you know that we just sort of tossed aside and we're like we're not going to look at you as anything else but that anymore yeah and and that's how that's how the scientists and people are treating them all throughout this movie Mm -hmm. you know keeping them in their own little enclosed monster labs right (laughs) like that's one of the reasons why jaws can never be a number one shark movie for me even though it's a fantastic film that's fair but you know it's not intentional oh i know (laughs) i know it's not intentional I am, but that's kind of why I like Deep Blue Sea because the sharks get vengeance. But a big thing for me with Deep Blue Sea that I feel like with the sharks, we've talked about it as how they now have an intelligence level similar to humanity. So I kind of view it as nature just bitch slapping the humans being like, oh, you're going to do this? Do you want to fucking fight yourself but in a like million year old killing machine? Um, so I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on like nature versus humanity in this film. Well, I mean, I think, you know, like I was saying, I think Deep Blue Sea is 
especially when it comes to shark exploitation movies, mm-hmm. I think it has the the heaviest commentary on man versus nature. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, all of these movies inherently are because they're all about, you know, mankind versus some element of nature, which is an animal, a shark, you know. Mm-hmm. But Deep Blue Sea, I think, <laughs> it, it doesn't just go into that. It... Um, it shoves it in your face. You know, yes. <laughs> Deep Blue Sea. Deep Blue Sea is not very subtle on this theme, and you know it, this whole movie essentially is about how mankind's the worst. You yes. know, so like there, it's kind of interesting because there's two different things going on here. So one is just looking at the the nature element of it, right? You know, you have you have sharks that are a part of nature. They've been experimented on. They've been messed with. What happens when we do that? they bite back, right? Yep. You know, like that's that that's that right there is the sort of general uh sort of thing that happens in these films where it's like you fuck with this part of nature, it's going to get you back, you mm-hmm. know. Nature doesn't like being fucked with. No. And and that's a central theme of almost every scientific movie that involves experiments and creating monsters, right? Is is how nature comes back at you. So so that's not new. What what is interesting here is how much it plays into it because you have the sharks doing this you had i don't think it's any coincidence that it's a storm that sets off everything that happens with this you know nope. that that storm itself is almost like you know mother nature coming in and saying it's time bitches <laughs> you know like well, the muppets up. is coming you know <laughs> uh like that's what that storm kind of is to me and then you just look at what's going on through this film is that every man-made construct is failing in the face of nature yeah you know, and, and it goes back to even before the film starts with Sam Jackson's character and how he and a bunch of dumbass rich suits, you know, they're like, oh, I'm going to go fuck around with nature. And they got snowed <laughs> in by by an avalanche, you know, yeah. and two of them died. And it's like haunted his whole life since, you know, it's it's touching on this fact of like, just do not mess with nature. And it, so through Deep Blue Sea, you know, again and again, you have things like. Uh, the helicopter fails in lifting off Jim, mm-hmm. you know, which results in the explosion and, and that stuff. You have different areas getting flooded. You have doors being broke down. Like, nothing can contain nature or these sharks, you know. The, yeah, that glass the, window is like a bitch window. It, you just throw a body against that and it shatters. It's a bitch window, you know. <laughs> uh, the, the elevator shaft is, you know, opening that floods the whole station. They're talking about how the water is going to break everything like toothpicks, right? Like... The, the whole idea here is that, you know, for, for all of the ego of mankind and for all of the advancements that we claim, none of it is anything in the face of nature. No. You know, that, that's, that's what's going on here is like none. They're trying to make the point of all of that is just completely fragile and useless. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, when faced with what, when faced with the true power of Mother Nature. Well, and for me, I kind of feel like it's this thing where, like, nature is a finely tuned machine. All animals have kind of evolved to their niche to keep everything running smoothly and good. And nature has basically been like, okay, humans, you're some fucked up monkeys. I'm going to let you do what you're going to do. But as soon as the humans, like, pretend to be play god ostensibly and make sharks these finely tuned killing machines because look we're not apex predators we're just smarter than everything else around us but you give an apex predator our intelligence and nature's just like cool you're fucking done now you want to play god i'm gonna fucking wreck you you're basically gonna have to choose between the sharks or yourselves 
and you're not going to make it out that well. Like, and I think it's it's really kind of cool because one of the things I like with this film is we kind of get to see with these humans, they are, you know, capricious gods ostensibly. They don't care about the sharks. They don't know anything about the sharks. They're just doing whatever the fuck they want for their own ends. And it comes back and literally bites them in the ass. So I like the fact that nature is not only punishing humans for like sensibly stepping outside their box, but they're also like, cool, you're not going to respect this amazing creature that I have. Fuck you. It's going to come back and eat you. And anybody who's an idiot dies. Yeah. I mean, there's even a quote from uh, from Sam Jackson where he's like, nature can be lethal but it doesn't hold the candle to man, you know? Right? Like, and and that, I mean, again, this is why I'm referencing it. Like they're, they're not throwing those lines in there just the, just because, right? No. Like it's <laughs> like, they're, they're really trying to nail home the point of, you know, just how much we have fucked with nature and how pissed off nature is. I mean, just look at the world around you. I mean, for God's sakes, you know, the fucking like over here on the coast, like the world's burning, you know? I mean, <laughs> I mean, like, fucking everything's on fire, you know? Uh, you've got hurricanes everywhere. Like, like we're, we're, we're seeing the effects of the virus that is mankind. Yep. You know, and, and what it's done to the planet. And, and, and Mother Nature's waking up and being like, all right, I'm, I'm fucking done. Good. Like, you know? Fuck you guys. I'm over this, you know? <laughs> and, and the one thing, you know, the one thing that uh, works into this theme that I'm not – that I'm not a fan of in this movie, but that I do think is interesting is also the religious element because there's a, there's a big old religious element <laughs> uh, tied to the nature side of it. Right. Yeah. You know, basically tying in God to nature and like, look, you know, any of you know me, you know, I'm not religious, you know, Chris isn't religious. So we have our views on this, yeah. but um, so that's why I'm not a fan of it in particular. Uh, but, but there is a heavy theme of religion and nature versus man, you know, yeah, in the sense that, First of all, I mean, for God's sakes, we have LL Cool J playing a character called Preacher. Yep. <laughs> Do you think it's any coincidence that the only two people in this movie who live are Preacher, the ultra-religious guy, mm-hmm. and Carter, the only one who respects sharks? <laughs> that's why I'm okay with the fact that they survive. No, I'm okay yeah. with it too, but, I'm, but that's what I'm saying is like, yeah. there's no coincidence that those are the two that survive. Yeah. I mean, granted... LL Cool J had it in his contract that he could not die in a movie, um, but he's still, but his character is still a character that is named Preacher that's religious that lives, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Carter also is the only one who respects sharks and treats them like, you know, uh, like, like they're the, an animal instead like of a fucking experiment. Preacher. Right. So, so it's no coincidence that they live. And then, you know, all throughout you have a uh, preacher saying things like, you know, God, get me through this. God, get me through that, you know? And then... Uh, I think I think most symbolic of it all is that there's a moment where he calls the shark at the end the devil. He's you know he tells uh, Susan that it's the devil, you know. Mm-hmm. And when he says that, I don't really think you're supposed to interpret that as he he actually thinks that the shark itself is evil. Yeah. I think more so what he's saying is that the experiment itself is evil. Yeah. Like the the like the shark itself is not, but the the experiment and what it turned it into is. Yeah, it's the you know, the he, sins of hubris. He he's basically saying like the experiment, the experimentine is evil, right? And so so again, it's no coincidence I think that the way that he lives cuz he is attacked by the shark is that he stabs the shark in the eye with his cross. Yeah. <laughs> you know, again, very religious, very heavy on the God theme there. Yeah. Um, but I think what it's trying to say 
is that humans are not gods. We should not play God. Yep. <laughs> you know, and it's only it's only God or nature, or the greater force out there, whatever you want to think of it as. That is what rules this world. Not yep. not scientists, not mankind. <laughs> yeah. You know, so so that that's kind of how I view that whole thing there. Yeah, no, definitely. It's I agree with you. I don't really always love like the god connotations with it. So I just like negated the god bits in my brain and replaced it with mother nature. Well, fair <laughs> enough, but it's there. So yes. <laughs> uh, all right, so lastly, you know, before we wrap up here, uh, one thing that's also kind of interesting playing into this is the fact that for all of the effort, for all of the death, for everything that Susan goes through to get her data, the data to cure Alzheimer's still ends up being destroyed. What do you think about the fact that that happens? I I honestly have such mixed feelings on that. Because, like, originally, like, anytime we watch it, every time I see that destroyed bad that destroyed data i just look at susan i'm like fuck you you don't deserve your data but it's such a mixed feeling because you know i don't want to agree with with susan's she has a line in the film um when she's going to get the data where she says without this data everybody dying isn't just tragic it's useless Mm. and i don't really want to agree with that sentiment but the nature of their experiment is such a gray area i feel like Because on the one hand, it was built on the backs of suffering and experiments that they shouldn't have been doing. And it's really kind of fucked up that they did it. And I don't think that we should ever get data that way. But if we're being realistic, that's how a lot of our scientific advancements have happened, for better or for worse. And this is something that could potentially help someone. And maybe with a more, like, I don't know ethical team they could look at that data and not be shitheads but i think mother nature is right humans can't be trusted with that information (laughs) they're just gonna fuck up make more smart sharks and then we're all gonna be screwed well so it's interesting right because you know first of all yeah no i i lean towards the gray area on this and that like i was kind of saying at the beginning i don't sympathize with susan but i do empathize i yeah Again, it's why I like her character and why she's not the mustache twirling villain that you want her to be. <laughs> I didn't want her to be a mustache twirler. I just wanted her to be a little more defined. You wanted her to have a top hat and twirl her mustache. We, I and, want and, everybody to have and, a top hat and, 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 and a mustache. And maybe a monocle too, you know? Like Who you, doesn't want a monocle? You want, you want her to go full Wario, you know? So like... <laughs> so what, like Wario? <laughs> I don't know. I, for some reason, I got an image of Wario in my head with a monocle. He but I don't think have he, a monocle. I don't think he wears Mongol, but he does, does, but he does laugh in a certain way and has a mustache twirl. So anyway, you know, it's it's why I like her character because because there is something to there is something there to understand. There is something there to relate to. You know, like I I'm on I'm on her side as far as yeah, I would love to see a cure for Alzheimer's. You know, yeah. I, I like that would be an incredible advancement. Just like we all want to see a cure for cancer. Like you know, it's kind of one of those things of like. You know, so so Alzheimer's is is something where I feel like you know there there's a vast part of the population that doesn't really register the tragedy of Alzheimer's. You mm-hmm. know, it doesn't really ra- register like what exactly that means. So maybe if if you're listening and, and you don't quite relate to the Alzheimer's side of it, you know, put your put yourself in the shoes of okay, let's say they're let's say they're looking for a cure for cancer, not just one kind, all kinds. You know, and and they're doing these experiments to cure that. Would you feel differently? You know, would you would you look at this and say, okay, five people at this lab dying and sharks being experimented on, 
is that worth the world never having to suffer through cancer again? Yeah. You know, and, and it's like it's those kind of gray area questions that I that I love when films tackle because there's really no right answer. No. You know, like you can't like you can be right in saying that no, I don't think any life is worth sacrificing and you can be right in saying that well, maybe five lives are worth sacrificing for millions, you know? So it's yeah. like so it's just it's that gray area, but anyway, to to answer this question like you know it's <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 kind of a tragic moment really because you know I don't agree with Susan's sentiment that the deaths are useless. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the right word for it and I think that that speaks to her sort of coldness. Mm-hmm. But but whatever the word is, you know, I I I would just stick with tragic. I think I think that the deaths are more are more tragic in that sense, you know, of just like you know, de- death is always tragic, but if you can die for something, mm-hmm. then at least that's something, you know. But but for all these people to die for ostensibly nothing, you know, that that makes it even that makes it hit even harder, you know. Yeah. So so that happening, you know, that sucks on that end, but it does feel like mother nature sort of saying you are not meant to have this. You got this the wrong way. Yeah. And it, humans cannot be trusted with this. You know, it does. And it, and it again plays into the God thing too of like, you know, if God doesn't want you to have that, if God wants you to suffer through, <laughs> if God wants to be a little bitch and have you suffer through Alzheimer's, God's going to be a little bitch and have you suffer through <laughs> Alzheimer's, you know? So, so, so it feels like it, that moment feels like nature and God and whatever saying that no you are not allowed to have this yeah and then there's also an irony in it too because the way that it's destroyed is <laughs> think about it this way what does susan say at one point you know she says that all of these deaths they're 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 useless you know if we don't get this info mm-hmm. what does susan do she destroys it in an effort to save her own life yep <laughs> you know there's some irony there yeah like <laughs> And then there's further irony in the fact that how does it get destroyed? By using a man-made construct of harnessing electricity. Yep. You know? Like that's not that's not part of nature, you know, that's mm-hmm. something that we made. And so so it's just again, it's it's it, it's like nature mocking her in that scene, <laughs> you know? Um, it really is. It's it's it, even though the shark dies, the shark kind of wins in that moment. <laughs> yeah, the shark's basically like, All right, I might be gone, but so's your fucking data. Like, look, I feel like everybody on this, on the team, with the exception of Carter and Preacher, kind of deserve to, to, to eat it, and the data deserves to eat it, because all of them cut corners. Like, that's the big thing. Because that structure that they made is a shitty design. Like, that's a shittily designed lab. And the scientists cut corners and everything like that. And I feel like when you do things like that, you don't deserve to have the reward that comes with it. And look, there's a lot of Jurassic Park metaphors with this. Or a lot of Jurassic Park parallels with this. That, like, I'm going to go with, you know, the moment that Jeff Goldblum has in Jurassic Park. They didn't earn any of their research really it was built on on the backs of other people is built on the back of sharks and they never stopped to think if they should be doing this so mm. they all have to eat it and no data for them, Fuck built, them. built on the back of those shark people those um, shark people <laughs> uh and then the last thing i'll just say is you know this film's very heavy on karma mm-hmm. you know and people getting what's coming to them and 
I do find it fascinating that that when the shark initially goes to bite Jim and Carter tries to kill it, I do I, I do think that that's the shark that shows up in the end, and it's kind of fascinating that Susan saves the shark from being shot by Carter in that moment, mm-hmm. not because she cares about the shark, but because she cares about her data. Yeah, and then that same shark is the one that eats her in the end. <laughs> yeah, I, I I just kind of love that, but. All right, so we got to start wrapping up. So who is your killer idiot of Deep Blue Sea? Uh, So that's Tom, the engineer, because he did not design a very good sea lab. Look, he designed it with, like, the big the big moment that really sets all of this off, right, is the shark that's hurling the body at, at the window and it cracks, mm. right? Like, really, you're going to design a window that can't withstand any kind of, like, blunt force trauma from, like, a mango... Do we ever establish that Tom designed the entire thing? I think that he's the engineer behind it. I'm just going to blame Tom because I mean, he's I the only Tom one. I mean, I think Tom just works there. I don't think he designed the whole lab. I don't know. <laughs> I'm still, you know what? I don't have any other engineer. Also, he's doing this shit by himself. Like, I know Tom fucks up with the fencing, but it's like, you're asking one guy to put up all this fencing. Okay, to be (laughs) fair, I don't blame Tom for that because Mako sharks can jump 20 feet in the air. So no amount of fencing was really going to stop him. Well, 21 feet would stop them. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I, he's the closest thing I have. So fine. It might not be Tom, whoever's the fucking engineer for this sea lab, Aquatica. Okay. They're the fucking idiot of this film. Okay, I mean, I think it's obviously Jim. I don't know how it's anybody that anybody <laughs> oh, else but Jim. I is mean, it because he was smoking in the lab? He smokes in the lab, he pees in the wind, and he kneels <laughs> right down next to a killer shark. Like, it's, it, I mean, it doesn't, you don't get more dumb than that, right? That's so true. It's he like, is an idiot. <laughs> so, no, yeah, it's easily Jim for me. Uh, what about your killer death? Dude, that's Russell. Like, he, he gives this, uh, Samuel Jackson gives this amazing speech that's kind of corny and hokey, but I love it, about, like, trying to bring them all together, and he reveals his trauma. We're then, not going to fight anymore! Yep. And the first thing we're going to do is seal off that... <laughs> like, just him getting eaten in the middle of that is so fucking amazing. The audience lost it. Straight up lost yeah. it when I saw that for the first time. Like, I mean, it... You know, that, that's why it'll forever be one of my favorite moments, because it, I, I, I so rarely have heard an audience just completely lose it <laughs> at a kill in a horror film like that. You know, because Sam, I mean, Sam Jackson, you know, they I don't want to say they pull the psycho. It's not quite the same thing, but you see him cast in this movie and you're like, he's going to make it. He's, he's at least going to make it to the end, you know? Yeah. And and to have him be one of the first people that gets taken and in such an abrupt way. Mm-hmm. As he's as he's pulling his whole heroic <laughs> Sam Jackson moment, you know, it just it was great. Like yeah. it's su- it's such clever casting. Like whoever whoever cast him in that role, beautiful job. Yes, you know, could not have been cast better. Yeah, <laughs> um, but no, he's he's mine too. But the thing I will say is that, you know, there are a lot of kills in this movie that I think deserve recognition. Mm-hmm. I, I actually think that most, if not all of the kills in deep blue sea are very memorable, mm-hmm. but no, yeah, it's, it's gotta go to Russell. That's the moment yeah. that as we saw in our comments, everybody references yeah. when talking about this movie. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, who's your killer MVP? Uh, so that's the special effects team, which I think was led by Walt Conti, if my research was correct, for making a really awesome shark animatronics. And specifically call out one of the things I guess they really try to focus on is the fact that like, Makos have like these floating jaws and they really tried hard to replicate that in their animatronics. So I think all of that is amazing. You just should have covered them in sandpaper and it would have been fine because sharks are covered in tiny teeth. 
Nobody would have noticed that. What do you mean? <laughs> Everybody notices that. <laughs> Nobody would have noticed if if they were. What do you mean they're covered in sandpaper? What would that even look like? Well, so it wouldn't actually be sandpaper. That's I guess kind of what shark skin kind of feels like because right. they're covered well, in tiny teeth. Well, you can't you can't show the audience what it feels like. Yeah, but you <laughs> shouldn't make them shiny like a goddamn dolphin. He's got water being poured all over him. Like, <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> I want him to look like he's covered in tiny teeth the way that sharks are. All right, whatever. Um, my killer MVP is going to go to the production designers, Joseph Bennett and William Sandal. And the reason is, is that, you know, again, like I was saying before, I a thing that I love about Deep Blue Sea is it feels like uh, a, a B movie that was made into an A film. And, and part of the reason that that is is that the set designers, the production designers, really did a fantastic job on this film you know mm-hmm. like it like it all, all of that looks fantastic you really you really believe this lab you know it very it, it very rarely feels like a set so to speak i mean we all know it's a set yeah but but it feels like an actual construct that was made you know uh it all looks great you really get just the sense of like the claustrophobia and being underwater and and then of course do not to mention like all the hell that those scents went through oh, with all the water coming through them. You know, this is one thing that, that I, I, I meant to maybe mention earlier, but I'll just mention it now is that, you know, for anyone watching, if you want another reason to appreciate Deep Blue Sea or at least respect it, is just think of the actors, all right? Like, I, I want you to think of something. When you see in a film a character that is doing a water scene, I want you to try to remember that even though that scene is maybe only... I don't know what thirty seconds to a minute in the movie. Mm-hmm. That was probably an entire day on set. Yeah, which means an entire day of that character of that actor being in water, submerged, wet, yep. <laughs> spending the day that way. You know, probably dealing with having to have like towels and hot pads and all that kind of stuff. Just water. The reason we don't see a lot of really great aquatic horror films is because they're hard to make. Yeah. <laughs> For that reason, it is hard to shoot with water. And if you want another example of that, something that's kind of, I don't want to say fun because you know the people got hurt, but something that's noticeable with Deep Blue Sea is that all throughout this movie, you have all those shots of people slipping and sliding in the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular, Thomas Jane, who seems to fall in the water a lot in this movie. <laughs> uh, some of that's real. Like, yeah. some of that is he's not supposed to fall there. <laughs> and that's you know, and that's just what the camera caught, you know, because they're yeah. dealing with all this flooding and falling. So he actually fell there. I think, I think LL Cool J, it's been a long time since I watched the commentary on this. I did not have time before we recorded this, but... Mm-hmm. Um, LL Cool J, he ends up with, I think, some kind of burner cut on his head. That's real. That actually happened from him falling uh, during one of the flooding scenes. I think Thomas Jane might have actually been burned when he's reaching for the door in that one scene. So (laughs) I know there, in the research I was doing, there's a goof when they're um, putting Jim onto the helicopter. One of the times when they're running back along the plank, when they get hit with a huge surge of water and they all get knocked off their feet. Yeah, that was not intentional. The cast didn't know that was happening. They got hit with the water by accident, and they kept it in there, but the entire cast was fucking pissed because yeah. none of them were prepared for it. Can you imagine being wet every single day you're filming? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like yep. there's very little time in this film where they're not wet. So yeah. I 
you know, again, it's been a long time since I've watched behind the scenes on this, but I have to imagine this was a miserable shoot. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so thank you. So you know what? Everyone in this movie is the Everyone. MVP. Everyone gets the MVP for being in this film. Yeah, I'll except, get a trophy. Except for Rennie Harlan for putting them all through this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, although he still made a fantastic movie. But all right, so that's going to do it for us on Deep Blue Sea. So thank you again, everyone, for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Next week is going to be on, of course, Jaws, which <laughs> maybe we should have started with that, but I wanted some more time to really get into it when I'm not dealing with sun poisoning. Yeah. So, <laughs> But so next week will be on that. Uh, otherwise, just thank you for listening. Have a good night, and we'll see you next week, horror fans. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of Killer Horror Critic. If you'd like to scream with us some more, please subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Killer From Space, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore horror underscore critic. New episodes release every Friday, so keep your eyeballs peeled just the way I like them. Have a good night, horror fans. <laughs> <laughs>